in uh, Ayurveda, they say, what is a woman? She's a man with a womb, right? That womb is called Garbha in Ayurveda. So that is the reservoir of cosmic intelligence is what Ayurvedic texts tell us. And that Garbha, that womb is directly in the Swadishtana chakra. So that seat is of creation. You co-create with the divine. So during that menstrual cycle, what thoughts you think, what actions you do, what words you speak are very important. They are like affirmation for your life. Namaste. You're listening to the Savannah Podcast. Join us on an exploration of Eastern spirituality, yoga philosophy, and conscious living for the new age. This podcast is a production of SavannahSpirit.com, the best place to shop for unique clothing, spiritual handcrafted jewelry, healing gemstones, and fair trade gifts from the Far East. Now, here's your host, Brett Larkin. Hello, Savannah family. Welcome back to the show. And we have a fascinating interview in this week's episodes. We're talking to Akshada Shilvant. She is an Ayurvedic yoga lifestyle consultant, and she's been using the scientific wisdom of Ayurveda to help so many people, but specifically women. And today we're focusing on celebrating your menstrual cycle, Ayurvedic secrets to having a blissful cycle. I was so inspired by my conversation with Akshada and you'll see why if you listen to this week's episodes. Akshada successfully regulated her own hyperthyroidism with Ayurveda. Let food be thy medicine is her living mantra for her life and she brings her knowledge of Ayurveda and yoga into her workshops and to her one-on-one consultations. She specializes in helping clients with dosha specific diet recommendations for endocrine health, diabetes management, weight issues, hormone balancing, digestive issues, and other lifestyle concerns. You will never think about your period the same way again after this week's conversation. You're going to understand why a woman's health is directly related to her period, how to identify a vata, pitta, and kapha period, as well as the five different types of vata that exist and how they affect menstrual flow. We're going to talk about how your period relates to your second chakra and the cycles of the moon, which I know is something I get asked about on social media all the time. Akshata is going to share with us all her Ayurvedic wisdom on how to have healthy monthly cycles, as well as yoga poses and mantras for female reproductive health. This is honestly a fascinating episode. Before we dive in, I just wanted to remind you, especially if you're a woman listening, that Savannah Spirit has some really beautiful, unique yoga clothes. From yoga pants to graphic tees to comfy Thai fisherman pants, really unusual pieces, mala beads. There are so many gorgeous finds at savannaspirit.com. And when you make a purchase, you're actually supporting the podcast, supporting the show. So use that discount code PODCAST30 for 30% off your first order. And now let's dive into this week's episode with Akshata. Akshata, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have you here and to reconnect with you. Thank you, Brett. I'm so glad to connect with you again. Today, we're talking to you about menstruation, right? I was like, even like, should I say period? Should I say menstruation? I think it's kind of funny because this has sometimes, it's like a taboo topic a little bit for some people. And I wanted to, before... I know you have so much to share with us, but how did you come to leading workshops around celebrating menstruation? How did this all start? Well, that's an excellent question to begin, Brett. Thank you for asking that. 
In my own journey, I always had healthy menstruations, touch wood, until I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism a few years back. And it was really, I could really, I mean, I heard people saying they had problems with menstruation, periods, heavy flow, and, you know, they were bedridden and things like that. I never knew what it was until I experienced it. And that time, I really felt it is so important. Menstruation is a direct link to a woman's health. And um, I started digging more into Ayurveda and saying, what, how can I uh, help myself get out of this? And having a hypothyroidism, it's an endocrine organ. So reproductive organs and thyroid glands are directly connected. So it took me a while. And I thought since I'm going through this much pain, it was not just physically, it was also mentally I almost lost my footing, if you will, you know. I think a woman is grounded and more feminine when she has healthy menstruation. It's that grounding thing that she has. So I think uh, that's when it occurred to me after uh, really uh, eating to my body type and living an Ayurvedic and yogic lifestyle. I did um, correct my menstruation and now today touch wood again, it's healthy and, uh, and blissful. That's the word I want to use is it's really blissful. Right. Because so many people think of their period as a nuisance, right? Yes. And that's when, when I came out of that rut, I thought maybe I should start doing workshops on menstruation topics and see how people will receive it. In the beginning, just the word, if you, when you asked me about menstruation, I could feel a pause you know, you were a little uncomfortable even opening up with that word. Should I use periods? Should I use menstruation? Mm-hmm. Tabby subject, I thought it was just in India because growing up in India, menstruation was a big taboo. But it's everywhere around the world. I think it's, it's our, we are conditioned that it's something dirty. It's something that we have to hide every month and, you know. But I thought it is something we need to celebrate because that makes us so special. And it's the, uh, um, it's the Nari Shakti is what Ayurveda and yogic philosophy say. It's like when you have healthy menstruation, you have the great feminine power power that that manifests into anything you want so it's the creative power is at the highest during your menstruation so I started the workshops Uh, in the beginning there were like two or three people showing up Um, it was it was really uh, even though it was a women only workshop it was hard for people to open up Uh, the common statement I always received was it's a hindrance in my productive life And that really pushed me to do more workshops and make them really recondition the mindset. It can be blissful. It is a rejuvenation time. It's a reflection time. So, I mean, people are getting to know that it's more of a cleansing and detoxification process happening during menstruation. But I feel it's more inner reflection. It can be very spiritual if you have healthy menstruation. Well, I love what you're sharing about how having a healthy cycle is directly correlated to how your health is overall, right? So so if something's off, and I think that's also, I think you told me like how you got so passionate about this was because you were leading all these Ayurvedic workshops and so many women would ask you for advice and all of a sudden you're you're ending up talking about menstruation because it's sort of like all different health issues would, would be related to that and lead back to that, right? Right. All roads were leading to menstruation. <laughs> right. 
having like a spring cleanse workshop or summer balancing workshops, somehow or the other, because anything related to women's health, you have to check how your menstruation is. Like, especially in India, any doctor you go to Ayurvedic physician, the first question they would ask is your bowels. Are you having regular bowels? And the second one is if you're in the menstruation age, like, you know, after 12, 15, they would always ask, like, how is your menstrual cycle? I, that is never asked in mainstream medical here, sadly, you know, unless you have a problem. It has to be asked. That should be one of the first two questions to ask, you know. So I'm sure a lot of women are listening and they're thinking, okay, well, what does it mean if my period's gone? Or what, if it, what does it mean if I have a very heavy cycle? Uh, what are some of the common things that that you see. And then again, I, I really want to talk more to you about the empowerment piece because I think that's so important and I want to learn more about Nari Shakti. So we'll get there. But what are kind of the, the common health issues that you see? Right. So for that, uh, Brett, I don't know how familiar your audience would be on Ayurveda. Do you want me to give like a two minute intro to Ayurveda before I answer this question or just jump right to it? I think most of our listeners are familiar, but you never know. So if you can give a quick intro, I think it would be good. Okay. So Ayurveda, it's, it's again, I, I call it, it's the lost soulmate of yoga because I'm so passionate. Most of the people and most of my clients are yoga teachers. So yoga has become very popular in the U.S. in the past few years. And Ayurveda is slowly catching up. Like um, just in two, three years back, I had to explain what Ayurveda is. At least people now know about it or might have read one or two books. But somehow the practical application of Ayurveda is left behind. People are very religiously practicing yoga, but haven't used the principles of Ayurveda into their yoga practice. And my passion is to bring that soulmate of yoga, that's what I call Ayurveda, so that you know how to, even yoga can have side effects if you don't practice to your body type. And when I say body type, it's called doshas in Ayurveda. The whole universe, the creation is made up of just five elements is what yogic philosophy tells us. And it's called Panchamahabhutas. It's the earth, fire, water, air, and ether. Out of these five elements came the three constitution, vata, pitta, and kapha. So vata is made up of air and ether. It's two elements are dominant and the rest three are passive. And the pitta dominant is called the fire element and it's made up of fire and water. And the kapha element is made up of earth and water and the other three are passive. So these are the three constitutions. So you can be uh, just a vata dominant person or a pitta dominant or a kapha dominant. But 90% of the people fall under two doshas. Like myself, I'm pitta kapha. So pitta is my dominant dosha and kapha is subdominant and vata is more passive. So all five elements reside in everyone. It's just the uh, proportions are different and that makes you into a particular dosha or a body constitution. So coming to your question, Brett, um, let's say uh, for menstruation now, if you have scanty or dry menses, like, you know, the flow is pretty light, you feel very airy, bloated and dry, guess what it might be? Vata, yes. Yay. <laughs> Uh, and the flow might be a little brown or dark red in color. So that is a more a tangible uh, way to see. And I always tell my clients, when you are having menstruation, take a look at on your, um, if you're using napkins or I don't, you can't do much on tampons, but look what kind of blood it is. What is the color of the blood on the first two days? 
or does the color of the blood change during the rest of the cycle? So pay attention to it, you know. Paying attention teaches you so much about your body. That's one of the things I always tell people is learn to listen to the signs the body is telling you. So generally for Vata person, it's brown or dark red. And it's irregular cycle is very quintessential in Vata imbalance red. So if you have irregular cycle, because in Ayurveda, the healthy cycle is anywhere between 28 days to 30 days. And it's perfect if you follow the moon cycle, you know? Now, I definitely am going to ask you to tell us the moon cycle because I get asked this question all the time, Akshata. People want to know how their period should line up with the moon. So I'm hoping you'll share that with us as well. Yeah, see, it is kind of, in. see, uh, this is very, Ayurveda and yoga was written very abstract, you know. It's, it's You have to have that abstract concept. So our full moon day comes pretty much on 28th day of the month, if you see, you know. Give one or two days here and there. So 28 to 30 days, every full moon cycle comes. So what it, Ayurveda says, if you're really aligned, because uh, from if you also see from the chakra system, Brett, you are familiar with the seven chakras, right? That Muladhara, Swadesh, yes. mm-hmm. Kura and all that. And most of our listeners are as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So the Swadishtana chakra, the sacral chakra, the second chakra is directly connected to the moon cycle because it's it's the water element and the water element is also called as Soma in Ayurvedic texts. So it is directly aligned with the cycle of the moon. So if your Swadishtana is amazingly balanced, that's what I use the word, if it's perfectly balanced state, then you are aligned to the moon cycle. So pretty much on the full moon day, you will have your periods. Does that make sense? Now, it, it, it does. So you're saying when the moon is full, that is when your period would begin, or you'd be having your period around the moon. Yeah, first day of your menstruation should begin. So then you're really aligned with moon. But it doesn't happen all. I, this is from the textual. Even in India, even the most balanced yogis and all do fluctuate in this. You know, you cannot go with the moon 100% of the time. So what I say, people, is even if you go 60 to 70%, it's pretty good. Aim for it. But I would say rather than following the moon, try to have healthy cycle and it will set to the moon's moon cycle in the sense having that full moon cycle. It will automatically set to that. So don't go for that full moon day and then freak out like, oh, I don't have my menses today. Rather, let's fix what's wrong try to correct that imbalance. And when you get into that balanced state, you will start getting aligned to the moon cycle. Right. So once you regulate your period yourself internally, then over time, it may sync up with the moon. Right, right. Because Swad- and one of the things, since I brought about chakras, Swadishtana is a very powerful chakra for women. Because in uh, Ayurveda, they say, what is a woman? She's a man with a womb, Right. That womb is called Garba in Ayurveda. So that is the reservoir of cosmic intelligence is what Ayurvedic texts tell us. And that Garba, that womb is directly in the Swadishtana chakra. So that seat is of creation. You co-create with the divine. So during that menstrual cycle, what thoughts you think, what actions you do, what words you speak are very important. They are like affirmation for your life. So I always say, even if you have bad periods or they're really uh, wacky periods, where some of my clients, I just came back from Sedona Yoga Festival, uh, did this uh, workshop. 
there were four people who are bedridden for three days, like literally bedridden, and they don't even eat much food because they are so imbalanced during a period, during the first three days of their periods. So even if you are bedridden, I always say try to try to check what you're thinking. Try to see what, don't affirm negativity because that seat of creation is at the most peak state. So whatever you create can come into existence. If you keep affirming, I'm not worthy enough. I don't have confidence. People don't love me. I'm not good at my work. I need to keep changing. You know, all those negative affirmations when you do during your menses, the Swadishtana has the power to create it. So it's Mm -hmm. very important that you make sure. I always say the Allah thoughts, the words and the actions should be aligned. And I always say check your thoughts when you are having your periods. Because that is truly what you are. Because it's like a reflection mirror. They're magnified during that time. They are magnified. And mm-hmm. that's an opportunity when you come out of mens- when after, off your menstrual cycle, at least introspect why do you think that way if you can't do it during that time. Because it's showing your true self. Please don't suppress it or ignore it. But face it if it's not good to correct it. And if you're really thinking good, positive thoughts, wow, it's amazing. Because that will give you that groundedness and that feminine power that can create anything that you desire. And that is there in us. And it's one of the reasons why women live longer than men is because of our menstrual gift. Because we are pretty much rejuvenated every month, you know, our tissues and the uterus is all, all the uh, uh, linings are shredded. And, you know, we are, we are really given a new organ every month. And we need to cherish that and uh, thank the mother nature for doing that for us. Well, I love what you're sharing about the womb being this place that's hosting the divine. That's, that's, where where this magical creation of you and whether we call it universal intelligence or God or whatever are like especially at one during that time, which is so different from just thinking that like your period is a drag or that it's dirty, right? (laughs) Or something to be ashamed of. You're saying like you, your power in your second chakra is super heightened at this time. And the second chakra is also all about creativity and manifestation. I mean, not just manifesting a child, but maybe if like you have a creative project or something you're working on, would it mean that like your period is an especially good time to kind of manifest your desires? Because at the same time, I think a lot of the yoga teaches us that you should modify your practice during your period, that you should rest. So those two things seem at odds. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, you brought another good point, Brett. Uh, just two days before the menses, and then the first three days at least, five days is best, but it's asking too much for people who are a go-go mentality and love to work out, especially here in our uh, US culture. At least two days before menstruation, I tell my clients to stop working out and just go for nature walks. Try to start getting connected because we start getting signs that you're going to have periods. You know, uh, if you have a healthy cycle, it will just tell you, you might be feeling a little heavy in your abdomen. You will feel like a little bit of a heat there if you're a pitta dominant person. So, and there might be a little bit of a bloating if you have vata. Little bit of a symptom is healthy because it's telling you, it's giving you a sign. Hey, get ready. Your menses are going to start now. So just to slow down to embrace that period 
every month. I say have nature walks. I tell them this is the period to pamper yourselves. You can have nice massages. We were talking about um, uh, dosha-specific imbalance, so maybe I'll come to that. Uh, For vata, I said it's typically irregular cycle, but having a nice castor oil or a sesame oil, warm a massage on your abdomen. Don't put a heat pack when you're having your menstruation because the downward flow is pretty strong. So when you have an oil pack and then put a hot compress on it, the upana vata, so again, it's another form of vata. There are five types of sub vata. Will your audience know that, Brett? Or do you want me to explain it a little bit? I think they're familiar with the concept of vata and air. I know a little bit about the different types of vata, like the sub-vatas, but I think you should walk us through them. So in Ayurveda, just as I said, there are three constitutions, vata, pitta, and kapha. So each constitution, again, is broken down into five subcategories. So I'll just focus on vata because we are talking on menstruation today and not overwhelm with a lot of information. So vata has five subcategories. It's called pranavata, which is, again, um, the vata that is... um, Uh, responsible from your heart chakra about to your head. So heart chakra, the Vishuddhi and the Ajna chakra and all are responsible with the Pranavata. Appanavata is the opposite one. It's the downward flow energy. So it's mainly in our uh, Swadishtana and root chakra. And Appanavata is most active during our menstrual cycle. So it's the downward flow. And then there is Samanavata that is in our Manipura chakra. That is our uh, solar plexus, third chakra. So that's still responsible for digestion. So that is the Samana Vata. Then there's Udana Vata. Udan means it's jumping. So it's anything like communication, talking and everything is responsible by the Udana Vata. And then the last one is Vyana Vata. It's pretty much everywhere in your body. So when you are in a very highly enlightened state, the yogis in Ayurvedic texts talk like you can re- literally call on to Vyana Vata and manifest what you want. Like if you have any imbalances in a specific organ or a disease manifestation in a specific organ, you can direct a Vyana Vata there and heal yourself. So it's a very powerful form of um, Vata. But let me focus on apana vata for our menstruation. So it's the downward flow. Apana is, it's inducing the downward flow so that we have healthy menses. All, it's not just the blood that we are uh, giving out. We are giving out all the toxins, the impurities that we've collected in our tissues during the, the whole month. So when we exercise, Brett, like if you have a lot of biking, people do tell me, like, you know, I go running during my heavy menstrual day and I feel good. You might be feeling good, but you're really creating more damage to your womb, the uterus. Because when we run or we do any form of exercise, we activate the pranavata. So that is the opposite vata, you know. So when you do that, the uh, apanavata gets compromised and whatever it has to secrete out doesn't secrete properly. And then what happens? lodging it into tissues and that creates ama toxins. So that's why in Ayurveda, it is strongly encouraged like two days before your menstrual cycle and at least three days when you have your first day, second day and third day, because that's when between those three days, you have your heavy flow done. Keep it light, go and enjoy the nature. 
watch, I always tell my clients to watch healthy movies, like romantic movies you can watch, something that triggers the nurturing quality in you. Like even if you are interested in violent movies or, you know, hard rock music or anything, particularly at that time, please don't do it. Because if you observe, if you uh, do watch violent movies or anything, the flow increases. If you haven't noticed it, check that next time when you have menstrual cycle. Anything that is against the nurturing quality, the flow increases. So try to just keep that time for yourself, you know. Have light massages, doing abhyanga on your own. Don't go for massages because that again increases the flow. Just a small light massage, you pamper yourself, be aware of your body and just take it easy. And if you have a work schedule where you can uh, schedule projects, you have the luxury to schedule them at a later point. I always tell people to don't have deadlines during your menstrual period. Try to keep them away from it if possible and make that period really uh, a time for yourself. Three days a month is not much, Brett. I think we all need that. And you will be a much better person, a more loving person, a more giving person, and a more grounded and feminine person. Rest of the month to give it to everyone at work, at family, to your loved ones. And it makes a huge difference. And I think we should owe that to our bodies. So you're really saying to take that time to just take care of ourselves, just connect to ourselves. And I mean... Akshata, you might laugh at me, but I mean, we're such a doing culture, you know, especially here in the West. So it's hard to say, you know, like, we'll just take it easy, do nothing. I mean, is there something that you recommend people would or should do? Like, for example, um, I think a, a bath or like journaling or extra meditation, the nature walks, happy movies. These are some good ideas. Do you have any others you want to share? Yes, I can personally tell what I do during that time. My uh, Most of my all innovative ideas to do my workshop topics, my blog ideas, everything come during that time because that is the creation time. So I have a journal. I keep notes. If I'm in a mood, I'll write the whole article. If any ideas come, hey, do a webinar on this or connect with someone, I write all those. And I do do light meditation. I would say a devotional kind of a meditation, like putting a ghee candle or keeping any candle in front of you and just gazing at it lightly. I wouldn't recommend going into deep meditation because I do uh, practice Kriya Yoga of Paramahansa Yogananda. So those are intense techniques of meditation I do every day, but I don't do them that religiously during my heavy periods, like the first three days. I just take lightly. I do like light month, like Swadhyaya. Adishtana um, Chakra's Bija Mantra is Vam. So just say, keep your uh, palms on your navel, uh, not navel, below the navel, and just say Om Vam, Om Vam, Om Vam. Say it loudly, slowly, whispering, and then mentally. The reason I'm saying don't dive even in meditation deeply is because then you activate the prana prana. You want to make sure at least three days you do every activity that helps the downward flow and not disrupt it and don't bring the upward flow. Meditation is all about increasing your energy to your Sahasrara chakra, right? It's getting your energy. The third eye chakra, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, to the Ajna chakra and then to your thousand petal lotus. But menstrual is opposite. So when you do a lot of meditation, a lot of um, prayer, you are disrupting that flow too. So it's very scientific. And I know I'm kind of swimming against the stream here when I tell people take time 
to relax, rejuvenate, and reflect on yourself. But once they start doing, they can see it. It's just a matter of reconditioning the brain, you know. It might be hard for two cycles. What is she saying? What will I do? But when you have nothing to do, you will have so much to do, you know, because you will start thinking differently. You will start introspecting. You will be very mindful of the situation. It's not about go, go, go. Go, go, go is not productive. Being mindful and doing what is needed is what is really being constructive, right? And I also feel, Brett, uh, one of my clients said this, being Vata imbalanced, she was a Vata dominant personality. What happens is they are they, their element is air and ether. They need that groundedness of kapha. So they might say something, they might do something else totally different when they are imbalanced. But when she started taking care of her menstrual cycle, the way Ayurveda tells us to do, she says, you know, this is her own words. I mean what I say and I say what I mean now. And that is very powerful. Can you believe that can happen with just taking care of your menstruation, that you can really start living a high integrity life by taking care of your menstruation? Where would you learn this? This is all connected, you know? So... This is beautiful. Yeah, I know. I love what you're sharing. And, and you answered a question that I think I posed to you, which was sort of this paradox of like, well, we're in this super creative, amazing state in our second chakra, but at the same time, we're supposed to take it easy. And I think what I'm hearing from you that I just want to make sure and kind of frame for the listeners is that you are in this sort of like heightened, kind of magical, creative, co-creating with the divine state in your second chakra. So you want to like like you said, get ideas for projects. Like you said, you get ideas for workshops or you want to journal and, and sort of be receptive, but it's not the time that you want to go like start stamping on your keyboard and like sending the emails and like, you don't want to do the doing part. You want to be in the creative flow of like jotting down the ideas, kind of sowing the seeds, but not like taking action yet. Is that what you meant? Perfect, Brett. You you said it so well. It's about ideation phase, jotting down the ideas because they might skip away if you just, uh, because, you know, unless you write it down, you'll say, what did I think? What was that idea? So yes, you collect the ideas, what come to you by introspection and just getting to be in nature and being mindful. You get so many ideas because just focusing on nature, you, it reveals so much to us jot down whatever comes to you, but don't start making it a project right away. Just keep them like, you know, to-do list. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And then the other thing that came to mind when you were talking was this other question that I get asked so much, and I'm sure you do too, which is people wanting to know about inversions during their period. Can they go upside down? Can they practice yoga? Now you've touched on this because you said any physical practice we're doing during this time should be very, very light, very easeful. And what I always tell people, which I think you're going to tell me is correct, is I tell students that you know, of course, if they really want to go upside down during their period, they can. But the science behind this is that it is this apanavata. If you're focusing on the downward flow, it doesn't make a lot of energetic sense to go upside down because that downward flow, it's like you're you're reversing the container, right? Exactly. Exactly. Just imagine what it would do. So what it is, some people feel like, you know, they all do that to, if they have a really heavy flow, then they, uh, as I said, one of my clients, she loves to run and her uh, flow is really reduced by running on the heavy day. 
day. And she says, if I don't run, then I just bleed a lot. What can I do? And then I said, please don't do that. You think you are slowing the flow, but you will be paying the price later during your menopause cycle. By it having amad, it starts accumulating in your tissues because that is the time to get rid of things and you're making it not flow properly, you know? And and Akshata, I want to really make sure people understand this because it's fascinating. What you're saying is that it's like you you slow down the period so that the symptoms may seem better in the short term, you know, because you run and work out, you feel a little better. But what's really happening is that you're not eliminating efficiently. And then what's supposed to be being eliminated, like I'm, I'm visualizing it like energetically getting like caught up in other parts of my body and seeping into the tissues and creating that amma, like the, what Ayurveda calls like toxins, which is unhealthy in the body. So it's, it starts diffusing everywhere, kind of. It, it diffuses, exactly, because that's the right word you use. In Ayurveda, again, coming back to it, is like those vata, pitta, and kapha, they have their own seat. If you don't allow that, vata is really in the colon, right? It really resides in colon. That's its home, the balanced vata. But when it gets imbalanced, it starts entering into other houses, which are not meant to be for it. So that's when all the ama starts to flow. Like, like I want to give you an example. I said irregular flow is for vata dominant people. For pitta dominant, it may be excessive flow or it might be excessive the heat and the burning sensation uh, during your flow. And you might have a lot of irritations and hot flashes, but your menstrual blood will be bright red in color. So if, and it is the pitta dominant people generally would love to run and, you know, do a really vigorous exercise during their heavy flow. And, you know, most of them will always complain they have loose tools. Like what you're saying is like, you will pay a price somehow, you won't pay attention and then things start to progress into physical manifestation of some sort of disease. So you have to pay attention. Like loose stools is another imbalanced symptom of a pitta menstrual uh, cycle. So interesting. So, and, and so I want to get really clear with you here too, because I think this is fascinating and people really, they want this information is that if, so if I Vata dominant, it's likely that my period will also fall under the Vata characteristics like we described before. Same for someone who's Pitta dominant, it's going to, they're going to be Pitta dominant in their period as well. Is that the basic concept here? It's 90% of the time. Yes. Uh, to give you an example, uh, one person was a very pitta dominant person, uh, like pitta kapha, like just like my body type, and did hot yoga for like almost a year. So she got vata imbalanced in her menstrual cycle because hot yoga is hot, but it's dehydrating also, you know. So when you get dehydrated, guess what dosha gets imbalanced? It's the vata. So unless you have done something extremely different from your body type, 90% of the time, it's your dominant dosha that has the imbalance. And what does a kapha menstruation look like? Because I feel like that's the one we haven't talked about yet. Yes. So kapha is mainly earth and water, right? So they already have a lot of water in their body. So edema, anything water retention, nausea are the symptoms of kapha imbalance. And generally, kapha dominant people are heavy built. Not necessarily, but most of the time, you can't just generalize that this person is heavy built. It has to be kapha because some, when I do the dosha analysis, some of them turn out to be vata dominant. So it's just not the big structure, but generally it is. And that's why it is said like kapha 
people have a big body structure. Water retention is a big problem. And because of water retention, uh, they have heavy bleeding and it continues more than three to five days. So that it, that is one thing uh, Kafa people have to be careful is that they might tend to be anemic because of the very heavy flow. So very heavy flow for prolonged days, like more than seven days of heavy bleeding, typically a symptom of Kafa imbalance. And they have a lot of yeast infection during menses. And they're, again, looking at their blood, it is more mucousy or oily in texture more than the color. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Yep. So to recap for folks, that vata period is light, uh, short, maybe dark, dark brown, you said, or bright red. And usually or it's more likely that it might be irregular, like not on a perfectly timed cycle each month. Right. And they might have a lot of spotting issues. It comes and goes, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then the pitta is bright red, often accompanied with loose stools, right? Our bowel movement, right? And they may be cramping, a lot of heat, discomfort, potentially heavy flow, that kind of thing. Right, right. Okay. And then kapha, what you just described, very heavy period and a longer cycle, like potentially seven days or more. Yeah. Typically more than seven days. They generally bleed a lot and that can take a big toll on their health. If I'm kapha dominant, though, is it in balance for me? Like, is it normal for me to have that type of kapha period? Or is that something that I'm trying to correct? So that is the imbalanced kapha. So every balanced state, you have to finish your menses by three to five days maximum. By like fourth and fifth day, you should be like really slowing down and, you know. But three days is typical, you know, for a healthy woman. Days. But again, if you're hitting perimenopause, then things can change a little. And that's again normal. It's not abnormal if you're hitting perimenopause. But for women like in her, you know, it depends. Some people start perimon- perimenopausal like in their mid 30s, but generally it is late 40s. Savannah family, this episode is to be continued on Thursday. We're going to keep talking to Akshada. We'll continue to celebrate menstruation through this Ayurvedic lens. We'll cover more Ayurvedic remedies for headaches, bloating, and cramps. We'll learn about the various menstrual side effects and what they mean according to Ayurveda, how they tie back to our digestive health. We'll also discuss common questions around birth control and hyperthyroidism. Ultimately, Akshada will be going much deeper on Thursday about how we can really use our period as a time for powerful introspection and creative work. So make sure to tune in to hear the rest of this episode. I'm sending you so much love from my heart to yours. Namaste. You've been listening to the Savannah Podcast. To find out more about Savannah, go to savannahspirit.com or follow Savannah on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Savannah Spirit. For daily inspiration, check out our blog at savannaheast.com. Be sure to join us next week for a new episode. And thank you for listening to the Savannah Podcast.